This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, Barbecue. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. Well, one afternoon, I am in Miami, Florida, being down there for the race meet. I am enjoying some seafood in the little sharkskin grill when I am joined by a citizen named High C. Homer, so-called because he tries out as a singer one time in an amateur contest, but his career does not go on from there because someone catches him under the chin with a cabbage, and Homer turns to other hobbies, mostly more than somewhat off the level. Well, we talk of this and that until Homer looks toward the door and says, Broadway, I wonder why it is that I cannot go any place without a copper sticking in his face. Copper? Where? coming over. And this one's name is Finnegan, and he is rough on the edges. Homer, what do you do that brings him to see you? Nothing, I think. Well, well, hello there, Homer. Hello, Finnegan. Sit down. I'll say this standing up. Homer, the chief will consider it a favor if you'll bid us farewell. Why? What is his idea? He doesn't have to have one. Just goodbye, Homer. I do nothing. Maybe not. But somebody touched up a guest in this town for 50 grand. My goodness, that is a lot of scratch. It is. And what makes you and the chief think I have anything to do with it? Just the fact you're in town makes us believe anything. Homer, start now. Okay, okay. And you? You. Huh? Me? You are talking to me? Yeah. Go with Homer. But, but I do nothing. I only know Homer. That could be a crime. And is. Both of you, please leave Miami right now. So that is how I leave Miami, somewhat under a cloud. Homer has a car and offers to drive me to Tampa. I accept. I wish later I do not, because what happens is bad for me. And what it is, I will tell you in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Barbecue. Not more than an hour later, I and Homer are driving along the Tamiami Trail to Tampa. Homer is a little cross because, as he says... I do not mind taking a rap for something I do. But when I am asked to leave town because I do nothing, I feel hurt. You do. How about me? So, somebody swindles a guy out of 50 grand. Broadway, 
That is a lot of moolah. It is a handy sum to have in one sock. I wonder who pulls the touch. Funny I do not hear anything of it. You are sure you have nothing to do with it? Me? Broadway. There is no handhold on a crooked dollar. Huh? What business are you in, Homer? Legitimate. Since when? Broadway. What is the matter with you? Everything. Just because I am sitting in the grill and you join me, I have got to leave Miami, which I like very much. Mm, looks like a storm is coming up. And there is no top on this thing. Looks like this is going to be quite a storm. Look, Homer, I am out in the middle of no place because you talked to me in Miami. Let us at least get someplace where there is a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. I think I know just the place, Broadway. It is up the trail, maybe two miles. Then hurry up. <laughs> hurry up! It is starting to rain. I can feel it. Homer, get to the place you talk about before only my head shows above water. that, Homer coaxes a couple more spurts out of the old pail, and in a few minutes we are walking into one of them roadside places that sell sandwiches and things like that. It is no fancy joint, but Homer seems very pleased, especially when he looks around and spots a doll who is maybe shading 40 and is put together on the lines of a middleweight. He motions me to come with him, and we walk over to the doll, and Homer speaks to her. Hello, barbecue. Hello, you sir. <gasps> Homer. Yeah. How are you? Until this second, I was all right. What are you doing here? Big wind outside. Now there's one inside. You are not glad to see me? No. Get out of here. Look, there is an awful storm coming up, Barbecue. So what? <laughs> what line of larceny are you in this season? I am now as honest as the day is long. Huh? Never asked you to come here. Do you still hold it against me that I gave you that horse five years ago? It was not a horse. It was a catfish, and it should have been thrown back before they put a saddle on it. Barbecue. You are holding a grudge. Grudge? It wasn't the horse, Homer. It's just that you... You'll never straighten out. I don't want to see you. How about the storm outside? It'll do you good. But my friend here... Any friend of yours deserves a good storm. Oh, now, wait a minute, miss. It is not my fault Homer drags me in here. It is not my fault that I am with him. The cop's in Miami. Oh, I see. They tossed you out, huh, Homer? Well... And me with him, for no reason at all. Your word I'll take. His, no. But, well, okay. As soon as the storm blows over, get. I know you would see things my way. Mm, sure. But, Homer? What? Don't, don't try talking me into anything. Like what? Like, like talking me into anything. Okay, Barbecue. I will not. Come on, Broadway. Let us sit down. Say, who is this Kamapo who talks to you in such a discourteous manner? She is no Kamapo. In fact, I think she is quite handsome. What? Handsome? You have to stand at an awful good angle, of which there is none. Broadway, it is because you do not know any better that you speak that way of my wife. Wife? You? My ever-loving wife. She divorces me nine years ago. Then how can she be your ever-loving wife? I consider her as such because I still love her. But she has nothing to do with me because she does not approve of my way of making a few bobs here and there. This I understand. Every time I see her, I love her more. Broadway, someday I will get her back. With that, Homer goes to gaze in at barbecue. And she gives him a look now and then, too. It is easy to see that she is not over him. 
Homer also tells me that she owns this barbecue place and does very nicely with it. Well, there we sit. And it is maybe 20 minutes later that the door opens and in walk two hard-looking guys. Homer gives them the eye and then says to me... Looks like we have got some company, Broadway. Yeah. And from the looks of those two, they are company I can do without. Uh-huh. Know who they are? They look familiar. They should. The little guy is Dandy Jack McQueen. Sure, that's who it is. Holy mackerel, what is he doing here? And the big guy is Johnny Aquitania, out of St. Louis. Homer, I do not like this. We gotta get out of here. Why? Why? Do you not see the valise Dandy Jack carries? Sure. It seems to me that in that valise is the 50 grand they take from that guy in Miami. And those two are on their way to Tampa. But get blown in here like you and me. Let us blow out. Not in this storm. I would rather face the storm. Sit tight. Fifty grand is a lot of tall. Guy could go straight on that much. Homer, what are you thinking? <laughs> Nothing, I... Hey, Johnny Aquitania is coming over. Yeah. You. Don't I see you someplace before? I guess you do, Johnny. You know me, huh? I guess I do, Johnny. And who are you? Me? Yeah. Uh, d- yeah I-, I am a friend of Homer's. Homer? Oh, sure. I see Homer. <laughs> I thought I knew you. Yeah, you know me. Say, what are you doing here? Same thing you are. How do you mean that? Getting in out of the rain. Oh. I notice you're looking at us hard when we came in. Don't do it anymore. There's a law against it? Could be, Homer. Could be. Um, I see you are traveling light. Just a little suitcase. Just a little suitcase. That's right. Just a toothbrush. Uh-huh. Well, it's nice seeing you, Johnny. Keep it that way. Nice, I mean. Homer, you are crazy talking to a tough guy like that. He is a very rapid citizen in every way, shape, or form. Homer, storm or no storm, I am gone. Okay, you go. But how? Well, I... It... You know there is no way for me to get out except in your car. I do not intend to leave just yet. How long will you stay? Until I do two things. Which are? Number one, convince Barbecue that I am, or will be, an ideal and ever-loving husband. And number two? Figure out some way to get myself a steak. I am entirely out of potatoes. And you are looking hard at that little valise. Am I? Homer, I see a lot of guys do crazy things. But if you are thinking of trying to do what I know you are, then you are one, too, the craziest guy in the world. <laughs> I am? Look, Johnny Aquitania and Dandy Jack are not small kindergarten children. They are grown-up killers. Sure. But look at it this way, Broadway. A guy can sure go straight on 50 grand. hooked and I know it. Outside there is a storm that sounds like it is blowing the state right off at the map. And inside there are two guys with 50 grand that they will resent anybody trying to pick off. Then there is High C. Homer who feels that he has the 50 grand coming to him. Take those things and what have you got? Trouble. Then add what comes later and you get more trouble as you will hear in a minute.
And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Barbecue. The storm outside gets worse, and things inside get more than somewhat tighter. Johnny and Dandy Jack keep getting more nervous. In fact, they are almost up with me in that respect. Then, Dandy Jack gets up and goes out the door. Now, where do you think Dandy Jack is going, Broadway? I do not know, and I do not care, as long as he stays away. Mm, This is very peculiar. (laughs) That sounds like we just land in the ocean. Looks like we're in for a good one. I guess so, Barbecue. I don't like the looks of those two guys. Do not worry about them. Worry about me. Why? Look, I think that you and me can get back together again, huh? I told you not to try to talk me into anything. Oh, I'm not. But... You know I still love you. Shut up. Ask Broadway. Broadway, do I not tell you that before? Well, you do, but see? Why did you have to come back here? You're no good, Homer. You never were and you never will be. Maybe I turn over a new leaf. I'll bet there was a crooked job underneath. You wrong me. Broadway, do I not talk about going straight just a minute ago? Well, yes, I, I guess you do, but... See, barbecue? I thought you meant that. I... I do. You've said it a thousand times, and I always end up the same, holding the sack while you're keeping a jump ahead of the cops. No. You're just no good. Look, if I go straight for a whole year, what then? A whole year? Yeah. You couldn't do it. Want to bet? No. Listen, I will make you this proposition. I will go straight for a whole year if you will take me back at the end of that time. What have you got up your crooked sleeve? Nothing. I could kill you for coming back here. We will talk about that later. Right now, is it a deal? (laughs) When bigger dopes are made, they'll use me for a model. What does that mean? I'm a sap. I fall for this line every time. But you never hear me say before that I will go straight for a whole year. No, that's something new. All right, Homer. But so help me. If you break this promise... If I hear one little thing about you that ain't on the level, don't ever let me see you again. Because if you do, I'll turn you in myself if I have to frame you. Understand? Sure, I get it. Now, you talk to Broadway a minute. I got some business with one of your customers. Homer, what are you going to do? Take it easy. I am just going to talk. Well, I'm a sap, huh, Broadway? I guess you have lots of company. I guess so. Excuse me, Barbecue. It is none of my business, but... Why do you let Homer talk you into this? I got news for you. I knew as soon as I saw him that I'd take that bait again. Oh, I see. I guess maybe you are lonesome, huh? Maybe. Even for him. Yeah, I think I understand. Well, more customers from the storm. Hey, that blonde is a beautiful doll. Can't say much for the guy with her. Yeah. Excuse me, I'll see if they want anything. We'll have a little talk later, Barbecue. Yeah. Well, Homer? That Johnny Aquitania is a tough person. Yeah, he is. I think I tell you that. Uh Uh-huh. But you hear the promise I make, Barbecue. I do. To go straight. And if lifting that 50 grand from those two citizens is going straight, then you have peculiar ideas. They do not come by it honestly. They pinch it from that character in Miami. Like I always say... There is no handhold on a crooked dollar. So we sit there with the storm getting worse all the time. 
The new customers that come in are a young guy and a young doll who look like they are very scared about something. Then Dandy Jack comes back in, nods to Johnny Aquitania. Homer sees the nod, gives me a funny look, and then motions for me to go outside with him. We do so. And I think it is very funny that Johnny and Dandy let us go until Homer goes to his car, where the scene is as follows. Like I think. Dandy Jack fixes my car so I cannot drive it. No wonder they let us come outside. Homer, this is getting worse all the time. I guess it is. Maybe we should fix their car. Homer, do not be a sap. If you do that, then they will know who it is and you will be cooked. And I will be cooked. Yeah, I guess you are right. Look, there's another car. It must belong to that young guy that comes in with the doll. Let's take a look at it. Hmm, this one is all right. I guess it is only me that Johnny and Dandy worry about. You know, I think they have a very good reason. Look. Where? Over there. When we get here, I see the telephone lines. Now look at them. They are cut. Johnny and Dandy are taking no chances. I guess we better go back in. Wait a minute. Listen. Hmm? That sounds like... like somebody. It is coming from this car. Yeah, it is. But there is nothing in this car but a bullfiddle and a case. Let me see. Yeah... This is very funny. Homer. Homer, look. Do you see what I see? Well, how do you like this? That is a finger sticking out of that bullfiddle case. A <laughs> body in that case. Homer, I will be glad if you tell me this whole thing is a bad dream. Starting with the day I meet you for the first time. Come on. Let's see who this is. Give me a hand. I wish nothing to do with bodies. The finger is wiggling. Come. We cannot leave a citizen in that thing. I do not know him. I do not wish to know him. If he is in a bullfiddle case, that is his business. See, it might be a hobby with him. Broadway. Give me a hand. There is nothing else to it but that we take the citizen out of the case. It turns out that he is a little old guy with a lump on his head the size of a watermelon. I and Homer take him back into the kitchen without going through the dining room. And there, the old guy starts to talk. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, gentlemen. I would have died in there. Will you please explain this hiding in a bullfiddle case? It is not dignified for a party of your years. I... I was put in there. They did it. My wife and that... and that Giuliano. Uh, is your ever-loving wife a beautiful blonde doll? Yes. And this Giuliano? Is he a dark guy with a mustache? Yes. Where are they? Inside, in the dining room. <laughs> They're going to be surprised when they find I'm still alive. They tried to kill me. Oh, then they put you in the case. Yes, they... They were going to throw me into the swamp. It seems to me that people are getting a little out of line these days. Well, you are a lucky man that we find you, Mr... Uh... My name is Grievance. Grievance. What are you going to do, Mr. Grievance? Do? Well, it seems to me that you have a pretty good case against your wife and this Giuliano. Yes, but I want them to think I am dead. Let them throw that case into the swamp. Without you in it? If you think I'm going to get back in there, you're crazy. You've got a point there. As soon as I can, I will get in touch with the police and have my wife and Giuliano picked up. Then I will prefer charges. Of course. But wait a minute. <laughs> What's funny? Look, those pigs hanging there. Barbecue raises them and butchers them herself. Now, what if we took one of those pigs and put it in the case? Oh, <laughs> very good idea. Excellent. Nobody's here but the cook, so... You hide out here until your wife and Juliana leave. Oh, wonderful. 
Wonderful. They'll throw the pig into the swamp thinking it's me. But why are you willing to help me? I always like a good joke. Now, you hide out and I will put a pig in the bull fiddle case. So we do that. Grievance hides out in the kitchen and Homer and me go back into the dining room. Johnny Aquitania is waiting for us. Where you been? Outside for some air. Anybody else come? No. Give me it on the level. Take a look for yourself. Nobody could get through to here in this storm, and nobody can get out. That's right, nobody gets out. What have you been doing out there so long? We need a lot of air. Yeah, okay. Now you two sit right here, and don't talk to anybody about anything. Get it? Sure. I get it, Johnny. Far be it for me to queer a deal for... For a friend. That's a real good boy, Homer. Oh, the lights! The lights! The lights. Well, don't worry, folks. This happens a lot of times. The lights go out during a storm. They'll come on again just as soon as the storm's over. Uh-huh. Oh, Homer, Bobby, listen to that wind. I've been here a long time, but I never heard one like this. Yeah, we're in for it, huh? Yeah, a real bad one. Why do I ever come here? You got any candles or lamps, Bobby? Oh, yeah, I'll get some. What is that? The wind blew down a tree. Hey, that comes pretty close. I'm getting out of here. This joint slab will fold up any second. Where are you going, Johnny? You do not have a one-two chance out there. I don't care. We're getting out. Dandy, come on. This way, we're getting out. You're crazy, mister. The wind will blow you off the road. How many trees are there, barbecue? Plenty. That does it. At least we got a chance out there on the road. We're trapped in this joint. Come on, Dandy. Come on. We're getting out of here. I hate to see them leave. Especially now. Personally, I am happy. There they go, Broadway. What's the tie-in between them and you, Homer? Nothing. Nothing at all, Barbecue. I just feel sad. I think maybe Dandy Jack and Johnny Aquitania run into an accident. Yeah. I think so, too. Well, like I always say, there is no handhold on a crooked dollar. Nobody goes outside to see what happens. We stay inside with the storm howling like a million devils. I see that Homer is aching to go out, but he will not take the chance. Then it comes on morning and the storm is gone. I and Homer sneak outside while Barbecue is busy someplace else. Just look at them, Broadway. They are deader than last week's tip on the horse. I think they are. But here is a little valise... It is not even scratched. What are you going to do with that? Go straight. I am going to South America and live straight. Then I will come back in a year and... Hey, look. They go the blonde doll and that Giuliano. <laughs> with the pig in that bullfiddle case. Well, all is well that ends well. You think this thing is ended? What else? If you are caught with that money... Who will catch me? Nobody. Broadway, I think this is the greatest thing that ever happens to me. We will go back to Miami. Miami? But you know you cannot go back there. But I will. I figure this way. The cops are looking for Dandy Jack and Johnny Aquitania to go north. Now, if I go south, back to Miami, I will be as safe as wheat in the bin. So says High C. Homer. But I am right. It is not the end. 
And what happens when we get back to Miami is something I will tell you in a minute. says goodbye to Barbecue. She is crying a little and makes Homer swear that he will go straight for a year. Then we get the car fixed and drive to Miami. We stop at the Sharkskin Grill, and there, the scene is as follows. So, I have got 50 grand and barbecue. If you are caught with that toy, it will go hard with you. Nobody suspects I have it. Nobody can. From here, I will catch a plane to South America. Uh, 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 maybe you better look toward the door. That looks like Finnegan coming in. So? What does he have on me? Nothing. Just let me talk. Gladly. Well, well, well. I see Homer. I think I told you we don't want you in Miami. I remember. But if you will remember, there is a storm yesterday. It drives me back here. I will leave in a little while, Finnegan. I don't think you will. In fact, you'll stay with us for a spell. Huh? What is this? A pinch, Homer, a pinch. Now, wait a minute. You got nothing on me, nothing. I got a warrant for your arrest, that's all. Come on. My arrest? Look, Finnegan, there is nothing to pin on me. I have nothing to do with that heist job. Nothing. I'm going... Oh, no, you... Get your hands off me. Finnegan, Finnegan. get out of my way. The, the police. Home with the police. It comes open. Holy smoke, look at that door. It is not mine. I never see it before. Finnegan, oh, I... Oh, sure, you never saw it before. All right, Homer, let's go. You do not know I have it. Nobody knows I have it. That's right. I had no idea you were in on that job, but now... What? You... You have no idea. Right. A little while ago, we got a call from a dame named Barbecue who runs a stand up the trail. Barbecue? Barbecue? What does she have to do with this? She was awful mad when she talked to us, and she was crying. Mr. Finnegan, what, what does she tell you? She swore out a warrant for you, Homer. Said that she has the eyewitness testimony of her cook that you stole a pig from her kitchen. And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Barbecue. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the stories adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. The National Broadcasting Company presents transcribed Sir Ralph Richardson. In Theater Royal. This is Ralph Richardson. Our play today is based on another story by Henry James, an author for whom I have an infinite admiration. I've always thought that this was a tale which would dramatize well, and I hope that you will like my choice. 
Here, then, is our story by Henry James, The Liar. I first met him at a house party at Stay in the middle of Hertfordshire. I'd been asked down by Arthur Ashmore so that I could paint a portrait of his father, Sir David. It was quite a gathering of us. Most of the faces were new to me that first evening. I remember singling him out from the very first, a handsome, striking figure of a man. What was odd in him was a certain mixture of the correct and the extravagant, as if he were an adventurer imitating a gentleman with rare perfection. Oh, that's Colonel Capado. He's been a great deal in India. Isn't he rather celebrated? Oh, perhaps he isn't. But he says he is. And if you think it, well, that's just the same, isn't it? If you think it. I mean, if he thinks it, that's just as good, I suppose. Do you mean if he thinks he's done things he hasn't? Oh, dear, no, because I never really know the difference between what people say and... Well, he's exceedingly clever and amusing. Quite the cleverest person in the house. Unless, indeed, you're more so. <laughs> well, that I can't tell yet, can I? I only know about the people I know, and I think that's lengthy enough. Enough for them? Ah, I see you are clever. Enough for me. <laughs> but I've heard of you. You're a well-known artist, and I know your pictures. I admire them. But I don't think you look like them. Well, they're mostly portraits. What I usually try for is not my own resemblance. I see what you mean. But they have much more color. Don't you suppose Van Dyke things tell a lot about him? And now you're going to do someone here? I've been invited to do Sir David. I'm rather disappointed in not seeing him this evening. Oh, he goes to bed at some unnatural hour. Eight o'clock, after porridge and milk. Mm. You know he's rather an old mummy. Oh, I know he's very old. Ninety-odd, isn't he? I'm surprised at his never having had his portrait done before. Ah, that's because he was afraid, you know. It was his pet superstition. He was sure that if anything were done, he would die directly afterwards. Ah, oh, I hope I shan't kill him. It was rather unnatural of his son to send for me. It was not until dinner was nearly over that I first caught sight of her, Everina. The Everina I'd loved so deeply these many years ago. The Evelina I still loved as I gazed at her, sitting there, so near to me, so beautiful, so very absorbed, absorbed, unfortunately, in somebody else. She's gazing across the table at Colonel Capito, as though she were in love with him. Once again, I turned for enlightenment to the lady on my right. The lady with the profile. Oh, that's Mrs. Capados. Do you mean his wife? That fellow, Everina? You know her, then? I knew her once upon a time, when I was living abroad. I knew she'd married, but I didn't even know her married name. Well, I must say I like her husband better. He gives so much. Well, when I knew her, there was no comparison that could injure her. She was altogether the most delightful thing in Munich. Well, her people lived there. They weren't rich in pursuit of economy, in fact, and Munich was very cheap. She told me she must marry well. It was the one thing that she could do for her family. I suppose you'd say she has married well? 
she told you? Oh, of course. I proposed to her, too. But she evidently thinks so herself. I mean that she has married well, or at least to her liking. She never takes her eyes off him. It was only after the ladies had retired that I got a chance to exchange a few words with the colonel himself. We were talking about the day's run, for all except myself had been out with the foxhounds during the morning. A neighboring squad had an accident and he'd come a cropper in an awkward place just at the finish, with consequences that looked grave. He'd struck his head and there'd obviously been a concussion of the brain, but he was still insensible. It was this accident which Colonel Cappadose proceeded to discount. Same thing happened to me in Ireland years ago. Pitched out of a dog cart, turned a sheer somersault and landed on my head. <laughs> they thought I was dead. But I wasn't. Start support, Colonel, will you? Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. Thanks, sir. I couldn't help noticing that nobody else at the table seemed to be paying as much attention to my new friend's stories. Well, first they'd heard them before. But I was quite fascinated by some of them, which seemed to me almost incredible. Like the story of the friend in India who actually had been buried alive. Yes, sir. I give you my word of honor. Only in a state of coma, but they clapped him into a coffin and shoved him in the ground. And they left him there? He was left there till I came and hauled him out, 12 hours later. Oh, by the way, Ashmore tells me who you are. I think my wife used to know you. Didn't you do that portrait of her? I painted her many times. Well, it was the sight of that picture you gave her. The one in vine leaves and a leopard skin. A regular vacancy that made me first fall in love with her. Is that so? Yes. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it was just about the first decent portrait I painted. I'd like to see it again. Uh, don't ask her to show it to you. She'd feel awkward. Awkward? Uh, we parted with it in the most disinterested manner. An old friend of my wife's family, the Grand Duke of Sheba Stachrechenstein, came down to Bombay while we were there and spotted your picture. You know, he's one of the greatest collectors in Europe. Well, he was so enchanted with it, Everina had to give it to him. He was good enough to return the compliment sent us a magnificent old vase in return for it. Uh, we'll show it to you if you come round sometime. Well, gentlemen, shall we join the ladies? As we came into the wide saloon, I looked round for Everina. She was sitting by herself at the far end of the room on a small sofa with an empty place beside her. I went over to join her and we began to talk over old times. Of all that had happened in the twelve odd years since we'd seen each other. So you never got married. Oh, but you ought to have done. It's the best thing. I like that. From you. Why not from me? I'm very happy. You must see my little girl. She's nine years old. She's too beautiful. You must bring her to my studio someday. I'd like to paint her. Oh, oh, don't speak of that. It reminds me of something very distressing. That lovely portrait you did of me. You remember it? The Vacante? Very well. Too awful. We were terribly short of money just after we got married, and I had to sell it. Well, they gave us 200 pounds for it, but I feel so ashamed. Oh, I know all about that. At least use the vase to remember it by. The vase? Well, the, the one the Duke gave you in return for it. The Duke? Well, the, the Duke of whatever his name was. Your husband was telling me. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, of course. My husband. Oh, here he is. 
Darling, Mr. Lyon wants to paint Amy. He says she'll make a Ah, she's a charming child, a most interesting little creature. She does the most remarkable things. Don't tell him. Please don't. Well, don't tell him what, dear. What she does. Let him find out for himself. In due course, the ladies retired, and along with the other men, the colonel and I stepped into the smoking room for the last cigar. We began to discuss the fine old house in which we were staying, a most irregular, rambling, mysterious mansion, in which, so the colonel informed me, that now and then discovered a walled-up room or a secret staircase. We also went on to discuss the Ashmore family ghost. Don't ask me what I've seen. <laughs> I should tax your credulity. Uh, I don't like to talk of these things, but there are two or three rooms here as bad as any I've known. Hmm? Mm, that's the one at the end of your corridor. Well, I shouldn't advise you to sleep there. That's all. You'll get letters of importance the next morning and take the tent wet tent. What do you mean? I'll invent a pretext for running away. Unless you're braver than almost anyone ever has been. We saw the comedy three days ago, the day after we got here. A young fellow was put in that particular room, I forget his name, the house was so full, and the usual constable followed. Letters at breakfast, an awfully queer face, an urgent call to town. So sorry his visit was cut short. Ashmore and his wife looked at each other, and off the poor devil went. I've never particularly relished the long walk down a haunted corridor with a glimmering candle in my hand, the walk that generally takes one to bed in a mansion as old and as rambling as stays. But it was not that which made me pause for the last word with my host as I left the room. Oh, I'm afraid we can't offer you any ghosts. We do our best, but they're difficult to raise. I don't think they like the hot water pipes. Uh-huh. They remind them too much of their own climate, eh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, haven't you a haunted room at the end of my passage? Oh, there are stories we try to keep them up. I'd rather like to sleep there. Plus, I'd better wait until I finish my work. Don't want to have to leave hurriedly like the gentleman three days ago. Three days ago? What gentleman? Well, the one who got urgent letters at breakfast and fled by the 10.20. Did he stand more than one night? I don't know what you're talking about. There was no such gentleman three days ago. If I'd had any further doubts about the veracity of Colonel Cathedral's, they would have been dispelled by the talk I had the following day with Sir David Ashmore. He was a beautiful subject, as well as the serenest and blandest of sitters. And as I worked away at my portrait, he told me what I had been waiting to hear. Oh, yes, Cappadoce is quite a remarkable fellow in his way, and a taking dog. But he has that rather monstrous foible. A monstrous foible? He pulls the long bow. The longest it ever was. You're lucky not to have had to catch him. Well, I think I have rather caught him. He revels in the miraculous. Oh, it isn't always the miraculous. He'll lie about the time of day, about the name of his hatter. It's quite disinterested. Well, it's very base. Oh, it's an extraordinary trouble to take. This fellow isn't himself at all base. There's, there's no harm in him and no bad intention. He doesn't steal or cheat. 
no gamble, no drink. He's very kind. He sticks to his wife. He's fond of his children. He, <laughs> he simply can't give you a straight answer. Everything he told me last night was tarred with that brush. My son tells me that his friends quite allow for it and don't pin him down for the sake of his wife, whom everyone likes. Oh, his wife. His wife. I dare say she's used to it. Never in this world, Sir David. How can she be used to it? Why, my dear sir, when a woman's fond, and don't you mostly rather handle the instruments himself? Connoisseurs in the business. Please sympathy for a fellow performer. No, no, not this one. I knew her years ago, before the marriage. You are well and admired her. She was as clear as a bell. I like her very much. But I've seen her back him up. Are you very sure? Oh, my dear sir. You're in love with her. Very likely. Heaven knows I used to. She must help him out. She can't expose him. She can hold her tongue. For you, she probably will. That's what I've got to find out. If she doesn't, heaven's above what she must have made of. In a moment, we continue Theater Royal, starring Sir Ralph Richardson. There's an adventure with an unusual mood for you tomorrow evening. It's called Jason and the Golden Fleece, and it stars McDonald Carey in the role of a seafaring adventurer. The scene for Jason and the Golden Fleece is any place where mystery and intrigue beckon, from the haunting New Orleans waterfront at night to the high seas. It's an adult type of drama with a highly adaptable hero who can play good Samaritan when necessary, swash a buckle in a valiant manner when necessary, or play at romance when necessary, or even when not necessary. If you've been looking for a different type of adventure program, this is it. Try Jason and the Golden Fleece starring McDonald Carey tomorrow evening. And your listening lineup tomorrow also includes a bit of nostalgia, served in the grand style of Eddie Cantor, as he reminisces about people and places in show business and spin some hit recordings for you. It's an easy-to-take half-hour, the Eddie Cantor Show. Then there's laughter in your Thursday evening program roster as you visit 79 Wistful Vista, where you'll meet the McGee's, Fibber and Molly, respectively, and their whimsical friends. Of course, if you're not whimsical, you can still be a friend of the McGee's, so drop in tomorrow on Fibber, McGee, and Molly. There's news for you, too, tomorrow evening, in line with NBC's policy of bringing you the latest news. The complete news as it happens. You will hear the commentary of experts on the top-rated news program, Heart of the News, tomorrow night on NBC. We now continue Theater Royal, starring Sir Ralph Richardson. The more I thought of the colonel and his monstrous foible, the more of a liar I discovered him to be, the more dismayed I became at the loyalty which Everina betrayed for him. How could a woman of her quality live with him day after day? Hadn't she seen, hadn't she felt the smile, 
a cold, faded spiral of complete depreciation go round when her husband purged himself for some particularly characteristic blackness. And yet, she would hear no word against him. I was held by my riddle and yet impatient of it. Didn't she lie after all when she let her husband's lies pass without turning her hair? Wasn't her life a perpetual complicity? Didn't she aid and abet him by the simple fact that she wasn't disgusted with him? Then again, perhaps she was disgusted. It was merely the desperation of her pride that had given her an inscrutable mask. Well, I loved her. Loved her still. And somehow I had to find out. For if she did despise him in her heart, In due course, the painting of little Amy was completed. And the more I saw of Everina, who brought her every day to my studio, the more I began to realize how I might solve my riddle. For the desire grew in me to paint the colonel also, to set him upon a canvas as he really was. But Oliver, we simply can't accept another gift like that. The picture of Amy and... Then a portrait of Clement as well. It's too much. Well, if you won't accept it as a gift, why not let him sit just for my own pleasure and profit? Let it be a favor, a service that I ask of him. All the generosity will then be on your side. It'll do me a lot of good to paint him, and the picture will remain in my hands. Well, everything in him is very noble. Ah, trust me to bring everything out. Everything. Nothing would induce me to let you pry into me in that way. Oh, you... I could do you in the dark. The colonel shortly afterwards placed his leisure at my disposal. The sittings for the portrait began. How I did it, I couldn't have told you. But I felt a miracle of methods freshly revealed to me at every sitting. It was in the eyes, it was in the mouth, it was in every line of the face. In the way the hair was planted, the moustache was twisted. And the way that he looked out at a bamboozled world, the way that he would look out forever, the way of an inveterate and incorrigible liar. As it turned out, he liked to sit and liked to talk while sitting, which was very fortunate, as his talk was half the inspiration of the artist. I had an example of that one day when an out-of-work model forced her way in on us in search of a job. I thought you might have something for me, that's all. Well, I haven't. In any case, how did you get into the garden? The gate was open, sir. The servant's gate. The butcher's cart was there. Well, the butcher ought to have closed it. Then you don't require me, sir. Well, you know, you have had me in the past. I don't remember you. Well, I dare say the people who saw your pictures do. If you ever need me, just send the postcard to Miss Geraldine, Mortimer Terry's News, Notting Hill. Oh, very well, well I remember. But I can't hold out any hopes. I'm so busy with the portraits. Yes, I see you are. I wish I was in the, in the gentleman's place. <laughs> now, now, that'll do. Go along with you. Get along. And close the gate as you go out. The model, eh? Have you ever painted her? Never in the world. I've never seen her. She's quite wrong. She was very pretty ten years ago. But she's no model. That's all a pretext. A pretext? Yeah. She didn't want you. She wanted me. Oh, I noticed she paid you some attention. What does she want? Oh, to do me an ill turn. She hates me. She's a bad one. 
Had hold of a friend of mine ten years ago, a young jackanapes who might have been plucked if I hadn't stepped in, a friend of his family's. Hmm? It's a long story. I'd forgotten all about it. I was able to make a diversion and let him get off, after which I sent her about her business. She knew it was me she had to thank. She's never forgiven me. I think she's off her head. Her name isn't Geraldine at all, and I very much doubt if that's her address. Ah, oh, what is her name, then? Her name's Pearson. Harriet Pearson. I hadn't thought of her for years. Quite lost sight of her. I don't know what her idea is, but practically she's harmless. As I came in, I thought I saw her a little way up the road, probably waiting for me there now. A little flight of fancy like that to help me. The portrait almost painted itself. Only a few more sittings were needed for it to emerge a masterpiece that would astonish the world to show forth the colonel's inner man for what it was really worth when the colonel had to leave town. I gathered that he'd not be back again for some three months. Nearly completed as it was, the portrait would have to wait for its finishing touches. Accordingly, I too left town. After a short spell with my brother in the south of England, I planned to go on a holiday to Italy. But before I left the country, I came back to my studio for one last look at the Colonel's portrait. I hope it's all right, sir. A lady and gentleman called a minute ago, Colonel Capidose and his wife. They said they wanted to look at the portrait you'd been painting of him. I told them he was away, but they said it would be all right, so I let them into the studio. They're there now. Oh, that's, that's all right, Millie. I'll go and join them. I made my way to the studio with a certain curiosity, wondering vaguely what they were up to. I laid my hand on the curtain to the gallery, when I was startled by a noise, a passionate wail, or rather, a smothered shriek, <laughs> accompanied by a violent burst of tears, I peeped cautiously between the curtains and went on listening. No, no, Daddy. What is it, darling? What the devil is it? It's cruel. It's too cruel. It's all there in the portrait. Hang it. What's all there? Everything that oughtn't to be. Everything he's seen. It's too dreadful. Everything he's seen? Why, am I not a good-looking fellow? I'm bound to say it's made me handsome. Handsome? Hideous? Hideous? Oh, not that. Never. Never. Not what, in heaven's name? What he's made you. What you know. He knows. He's seen it. Everyone will. Everyone will know and see. Oh. Fancy dancing in the academy. You're going wild, darling. But if you hate it so, it needn't go. Ah, he'll send it. It's so good. Oh, come away. It's so come away. good. Come away. Oh, come away. Not that way. Not through the house in the state you're in. No, this way, through the garden. There's a gate. No. Wait a moment. Uh... I went on to Italy for my holiday and I waited to see what would happen next. Wouldn't the colonel write? 
Wouldn't he take it for granted that I should find out how he'd served me, how he'd destroyed a portrait on which I'd been working for weeks? After all, my housekeeper has admitted them, him and his wife. There could be no doubt as to who had done the damage. What about Eberino's share in the report? That would be the real test, for that would show how far she was prepared to go for her husband. Or for me. I could scarcely wait for our next meeting, when all three of us were back in town. And at last, we met. I have a confession to make to you. We were in town for a couple of days while you were away, and I made Clement take me to your studio. I wanted so dreadfully to see what you had done with him, though I knew you'd be angry. We made your servants let us in, and I took a good look at the portrait. It really is wonderful. Wonderful? Of course, I know it isn't quite finished, but Clement's so eager to begin the sittings again. Then you think I've got something? You've got everything. Yes, that's right. Just say the word and we'll begin again. You know how I like to sit. You want me animated and it leaves me so to <laughs> wag my tongue. And just now I've time. Oh, I shall have to begin again. The picture's been destroyed. No. Destroyed? But why? What did you do that for? I didn't. I found it destroyed. Slashed to bits with a knife. Oh, I say, what a jolly shame. Mm. I hope you didn't go for it. The time you called... You... Oh, so I could sit for you again. <laughs> My dear fellow, if I thought of it, I might have. Are you either, Everina? I say, My dear, that woman. That woman. That woman? Don't you remember when we came out, she was at the door, or a little way from it? I spoke to you of her. I told you about oh. her. Geraldine, Harriet Pearson, the one who burst in on you that day, saying she was a model. We saw her hanging about I call Everina's attention to her. What do you mean? She got at my picture? She burst in again. She'd learned the way. She was waiting for her chance. Oh, the horrid little uh, uh, Let's go down to lunch. But how in the world did she get in? We went out to the garden without troubling your servant. I wanted to show my wife. Oh, my dear fellow, I can't have been guilty of the folly of not fastening the door. Well, I'm sure I don't know, Colonel. It was a very determined hand that did that deed in the spirit of a wild cat. Well, she is a wild cat, confound her. Oh. Too bad. The fates are against you. Throwing off masterpieces like that for nothing. You did like it? Really? Oh, Chagrin, yes. I loved it. I see. And you also saw this woman of the Colonel? Yes. She was going away from us. She crossed the road. I see. And did she appear to recognize the Colonel? Did she look round? Yes. She looked round. But I didn't notice much. A hansom came along and we got into it. It wasn't till then that Clement told me who she was. I remember he said that she was there for no good. I suppose we ought to have gone back. Yes. It would have saved the picture. Perhaps. For you, Shermit, I am very sorry. But you must remember, I possess the original. So, she was still in love with a man of her choice. And since she couldn't redeem him, she would adopt and protect him. So had he. <laughs>